welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back. This is Chris Lewis from the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Every time that we come together, we're bringing you guests that are going to help you to think about things in a little bit different way. We are challenging you to be able to think about things in a little bit different way. And sometimes you're going to be thinking about things that are going to impact you, but also things that are going to impact your kids. And this time, I think we're going to be talking about something that is going to impact both of you, because I know I've struggled with it. I think many people have struggled with it. And that's the topic of perfectionism. Have any of you thought, felt that way before where you are working, you're working towards your goal and it's got to be perfect. It's got to be perfect. And maybe someone's talking in your ear or that, that, that thing, that voice in your head that just keeps saying, you got to be better. You got to be better. You got to be better. And today we ha- have the pleasure to have Julian Reeve with us. And Julian is going to tell us a, a, a pretty impactful story. And when I saw his story, I thought it was a, a really interesting story that has led him to writing a new children's book about perfectionism that is called Captain Perfection and the Secret of Self-Compassion. It's a self-help book for the young perfectionist. Now, Julian comes to this after many years of working in the music industry and uh, as the musical director, the music director of the Broadway hit Hamilton. And I'm not going to steal his thunder, but He's got a story there that really has led him down this pathway that has changed his life in a very large way. Julian, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for the invite. Thrilled to be here. It is my pleasure to have you here. Now, I think first and foremost, um, I'm going to say, you know, a lot of times we have dads on the show. You are a dog dad, but you're also a proud uncle. So we're going to talk about that as well. And and I, so I always appreciate being able to have father figures in many different aspects because even if you're not a father, you're an uncle, and sometimes uncles can be father figures in many different ways to the kids in their lives as well. I have a niece myself, and I try to be a father figure for her as well. So first and foremost, I I think I want to go back to some inception story here, because I talked about the fact that you have this new children's book, and you're talking about perfectionism. And it's, as I said, it's something that I think everyone deals with in in some fashion. But for you, this has a pretty personal touch to it. So talk to me about what ended up making you go down this pathway of of needing to talk about perfectionism, the dangers of perfectionism, and why you decided to start working toward writing this book. Sure. So I'd always thought that I I, I kind of displayed perfectionistic traits, um, but I didn't really understand that I was a kind of classic perfectionist until quite late on in, in my life, till I was kind of in my 40s. So what kind of got me on this journey with perfectionism was I suffered a heart attack at the age of 43. I took out the first national tour of Hamilton. So I worked on the Broadway production as a rehearsal pianist, putting in the cast that took over from the original cast. And then I was the music director for the first national tour. So we did five weeks rehearsals in New York and then moved to San Francisco. Now this was in 2017. Um, And as you can imagine, you know, it's a big show. It was very much at the height of its success at the time. So, you know, there was a lot of pressure in, in putting 
putting it up. And the pressure of the job was pretty immense. Um, We were three months into the job when I was walking home, having just conducted a performance, and I experienced a very mild heart attack. I didn't know it was a heart attack at the the point. I had shooting pains down my left arm. It's a very long story, which I won't bore you with today, where I went to bed that night. I went to the gym the following day. I conducted the show that night. The same thing happened the night after. Anyway, I got into hospital two days later, and it was shown that my right coronary artery was 90% blocked and that I needed two stents put in. So that was the kind of physical element of how I got fixed. But obviously, we needed to kind of get to the bottom of of why else it might have happened. So I started seeing a psychologist who was a a huge help to me in more, more ways than one. And we very quickly identified perfectionism as being the underlying cause of the attack. And how we managed to kind of get to those results was the examination of lifestyle, you know, kind of proved quite interesting because whilst I'd made some significant changes, healthy changes, kind of five or six years previously, I spent a lot of my time in my late teens, throughout my 20s, into my 30s, probably until my mid 30s, um, not really taking care of myself because I, ostensibly I was trying to suppress the feelings and the thoughts and the behaviours caused by maladaptive perfectionism. So fast forward several years, I ended up doing a TED talk on perfectionism in 2019. And for that talk, I created Captain Perfection because I wanted to illustrate the story of the differences between adaptive and maladaptive perfectionism, how perfectionism affects us. And so the the character was, was created. And then with a few tweaks to that character, I decided to write Captain Perfection and the Secret of Self-Compassion, which is ostensibly the book that I should have read when I was the age that I'm reaching out to. Um, So the, the book is kind of aimed at any child age six and above, every single person that's read it, including including some major reviewers, have all said that adults find this as useful as a six-year-old. It's not in any way talking down to a child. It's, it's very much at their level that they can understand. And I can categorically state, had I known what I know now about perfectionism and what readers will learn from this book, there's every chance that I wouldn't have suffered the heart attack. So you talk about two different types of perfectionism, and I, don't, I can honestly say I don't know the difference between the two. And and I'm sure that others don't know the difference between these two types of perfectionism too. Can you tell me more about that? Sure. So perfectionism is sometimes regarded as adaptive or maladaptive. So other ways to describe it as kind of healthy, unhealthy, positive, negative, functional, dysfunctional, perfectionistic strivings over perfectionistic concerns. And it's important to recognize that there are two parts, both good and bad, because perfectionism, I think, is largely regarded in society as a kind of one-dimensional thing. And the danger with that is that that we can, you know, appear proud of our child's kind of, you know, omnipresent belief or or strive to be the best. And the adaptive side of perfectionism can actually be very useful. It's a side that was very helpful in getting me to the heights that I've been lucky enough to to achieve in my career. And, you know, they really are the high conscientiousness, attention to detail, um, all of the things that, that we will see our child actually pouring over those details to get it better, to to get it as good as they can be. That's adaptive perfectionism when it's thought about in a positive and healthy way. Maladaptive perfectionism is, is the complete kind of reverse of that. 
And kind of child behaviours that, that can be explained by maladaptive perfectionism might be self-deprecation, low self-esteem, issues with mistakes, they can't celebrate when they've done well, fear of failure, all or nothing thinking, or there's only one way to do things. I mean, parents are probably listening to this saying, oh, yeah, 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 Mal- that's that's my son or daughter, that's my son or daughter. Um, so just thinking about your own child experiencing perfectionism, there are probably sides that they're experiencing in a positive way. Way. That's not always the case, and it's important to state that. Um, but there are absolutely sides that can affect them in negative ways. Now, worryingly, perfectionism in children is on the rise, and things like anxiety, depression, burnout, cardiovascular disease, suicidal thoughts, all, all of these things are very closely associated with maladaptive perfectionism. So it's super important for parents to realize that it's two dimensional at least and that there are good and bad parts to it. That's really interesting because I think about my own kids, I think like you you just said, and thinking about they're very different, but they do have some tendencies that fall within one or the other. As a father starts to hear what you just said, and they start to say to themselves exactly what you just said, is that, oh, you know, I'm hearing some positive, some negative. What's that tipping point where you go from positive to negative? And Are there things that a father can do or a parent can do to be able to, outside of sharing your book with them, some things that they can do to be able to kind of tip the scales to try to help their child to manage that in a better way? Absolutely. So I think what what I encourage parents to do, first of all, is to kind of dig deeper into their child's perfectionism simply by figuring out how it affects them. So, you know, write the list. How does it affect them at school? How does it affect their relationship with parents, with family, with friends? How does it affect them in the home? Um, Then try and figure out what triggers it. So a school project that gets to a certain point and then gets thrown on the floor because all or nothing thinking, a part of maladaptive perfectionism is speaking, and therefore it's either incredible, i.e. perfect, or it's nothing at all. There's nothing in the middle. That's a classic struggle for kids, certainly of, of a younger age. And then figure out how perfectionism presents itself. So, you know, do your kids get angry? Do they withdraw? Do they get depressed? Do they get frustrated? And then try and figure out, you know, the pros and cons of your child's perfectionism in terms of, you know, is adaptive perfectionism actually playing a quality role in your life? Again, as I said earlier, it might not be. It might all be negative, maladaptive perfectionism. Now, I strongly believe, and there's data to prove this and studies that prove this, that perfectionists are incredible individuals and can go on to achieve incredible things and are often the difference between something being outstanding and something being life-changing. Take Steve Jobs, for example, classic perfectionist. We wouldn't be where we are today, possibly not even having this conversation without visionaries like him. And the key is, and this comes back down to, to parenthood, the key is to not overcome perfectionism, but to manage the negative perfectionism in healthier ways so that the adaptive, positive stuff can shine. That's very much my message. And that kind of goes against what where society is right now, because, you know, if I read another headline that says, you know, five ways to overcome your child's perfectionism, I will scream. Why will I scream? Because of what I've just said. I don't think it should be overcome. It should be better managed. How do we better manage um, perfectionism? Well, we, and this is very much part of the book, I inspire or want to inspire parents and children to start introducing self-compassion. 
Now, self-compassion is proven to reduce the relationship between perfectionism and depression. So we're doing a lot for our kids in giving them language where they can be kinder to themselves. So actually, if you think about it, and I'll go into more detail about what self-compassion actually is in, in, in a minute. But if you think about it, what I'm trying to achieve here is I'm trying to give kids the tools where their adaptive perfectionism can become even better than it already is. And I think this is an interesting, almost marketing selling point to parents, because a lot of parents think, well, no, 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 no I, I don't want to touch my, my kid's perfectionism because, you know, those traits will help him or her succeed in life. It's important to remember that um, that's not always the case. And, you know, as, as I illustrated before, the close association with things like depression and low self-esteem and anxiety can kind of tip, tip your child the other way. But the introduction of self-compassion can help us um, manage our perfectionistic traits or maladaptive traits in healthier ways, which actually brings out the best in a child. Self-compassion is basically that Kristin Neff, who, who's a, a kind of leading psychologist on the, on the subject, says that self-compassion is a practice in which we learn to be a good friend to ourselves when we need it the most. It's made up of three components, self-kindness, where we learn to be warm and understanding towards ourselves, mindfulness, where we discover how to observe thoughts and feelings as they arise, but not necessarily to suppress, deny or react to them. And then there's common humanity, where we basically recognize that suffering and imperfection is part of the human experience. Now, kind of introducing children to self-compassion early allows them to develop language to, as, as I said earlier, to be able to manage their perfectionistic traits. And parents shouldn't be afraid about self-compassion. There, there are huge myths associated with, with the word. You know, it's not self-pity. It's not self-indulgent or self-esteem. Most importantly, it doesn't make us weak or lazy. And actually, it makes us more productive. So this is something that I talk about in my TED talk. When we're compassionate, the parasympathetic nervous system, the part that calms us down, switches on, which leads to higher creativity. That in turn makes blood flow to the prefrontal cortex. There's, there's more of that flow. The prefrontal cortex is the part of our brain that does most of our thinking. And a hormone called oxytocin flows more freely, which actually helps us maintain lower levels of stress. So self-compassion is a hugely powerful tool for kids to develop in their fight to manage perfectionism and ostensibly helps them create the language that they need in order to be able to maximize the potential that their adaptive perfectionism offers. So interesting. I think that most parents have no clue what that means unless they've gone through it themselves. I'm sure that this is definitely something that they have to learn. I mean, we, have, we all have to learn a lot when we're parents and having to figure out for ourselves kind of what it means to be a parent and try what to how what we can do to be able to support our children. And this book sounds like a great addition. Now, earlier you said that this is the book, the book that you wrote is the book that you wish you would have had. Now, as you look back at your own experience, your own journey from being young to where you are today, what would you have said if you were talking to that six-year-old version of yourself right now, what would you have said to that child to, that would have changed the direction that they would have gone on into who you are today? Great question. And it comes down to three words. You are enough. 
That's it. There, there it is. My, my book summed up in three words. Self-worth is a massive part of, of perfectionism. So the further I kind of delved into the subject and my own personal experience with it, the more I realized that actually my perfectionism was born in childhood. And it was born because of my relationship with my parents, who were both very successful musicians in the educational sector. My mother was my very first piano teacher. So, and this was a defining moment for me, the realization that every time I made a mistake at the piano when I was a child, in my brain, that gave my mother opportunity to love me less. That's it. And so I had to be perfect in order to be continued to be loved um, in, in my head. Now, of course, that wasn't true. And it's interesting also, though, that I think one of the things that contributed to my perfectionism um, that I'm very keen to address in my work with children now is, you know, I grew up in a results-based family. There was love everywhere. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't, you know, harsh in any way, but it was results-based. And uh, it's very difficult not to bring a child up, I think, albeit not as a parent myself. But, you know, we all want what's best for our kids. So therefore, you know, if they can achieve the best that they can achieve, then we're happy for them. The key is finding the balance with what we're expecting of them and how we expect it. If all of the focus is on results, then we all we're really doing is showing our children actually that the result is the only thing that matters. And so therefore we're promoting the, the thinking that, well, if I don't do as well as I could or perhaps should have done, then I'm not good enough. And so we go back round the wheel. One of the key aspects that I actually found through my own journey with perfectionism when I went back to work on Hamilton was understanding that the experience of getting to the result, if you can reward that and connect your child with that, then actually you start to view what might be considered perfection in very different ways because it's not just the result that might denote success. It's actually your journey to the result that helps us consider whether what we've achieved is, is good enough or not. Now, we've touched on this a couple of times. You've started to talk about what is in this book, but talk to me a little bit more about what are people going to find as they go through this book, as they start to go through the journey with their own child and they're reading this potentially together, and especially if it's if it's focused on that six-year-old, seven-year-old, they're going to be reading it one, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, or not one-on-one, -on -one, but together to be able to, to kind of learn together as well. But talk to me about what they're going to learn within the pages. Sure. So I, I kind of, I work quite hard just to make sure that this was going to be a journey and an experience and give children an opportunity to have tools that would actually arm them for the, the rest of their lives with, with these issues. So in order to figure out how we deal with perfectionism, we first have to understand what it is. So I, I introduce kids to perfectionism. There's a, a couple of checklists where they're able to go through, read their own behaviours. Do you get ups, upset when mistakes are made? Do you find it difficult to congratulate yourself when you do well? You know, all, all of those things are probably 25 checkboxes in there where, you know, visually they're able to connect with how much perfectionism actually plays a role in their life by the, the more the boxes that they check, the higher the chances are that they are a perfectionist. Um, I then talk to, or I then introduce Captain Perfection, who then introduces the child to self-compassion and what it is and the three elements. And then we read three stories with three different children and their kind of surroundings. And we present three different 
elements of maladaptive perfectionism. Now, in the book, and I thought long and hard about this, I actually call perfectionism or adaptive and maladaptive healthy and unhealthy. I didn't think the kids of this age group would be able to relate to adaptive and maladaptive. That's that's much harder. And so the, the three stories take us through a journey of the different experiences of three kids as they struggle with their own perfectionistic behavior. It introduces self-compassion as a solution-based subject. So there are solutions within the story. Then we find out what we've learned in each story. Then we go on to, and this is the cool bit, we go on to build a self-compassion superpower. So that the child reading the book is inspired to consider self-compassion as something that will empower them to fight those beliefs and tendencies as and when they experience them. We go through the three elements of self-compassion and actually come up with different physical exercises like mantras. You know, we come up with our own mantras and we say them 10 times in our head. What else do we do? We learn how mindfulness can take us away from the past or the future, which is often why children get attached to maladaptive perfectionism and helps them bring them back to the present. And there's common humanity in there as well, where we actually, we take a story from a friend's point of view and we discover what we would say to our friend Um, which actually then helps us turn that language towards ourselves. And then we add some kind of, you know, we we discuss the benefits of things like yoga and mindfulness and breathing techniques, etc. So, and and at the end, it really is, you are ready. You are now equipped. You have your your self-compassion superpower. Off you go and try and use these tools the next time these issues present. Now, I know this was focused on younger kids. So six to seven-year-olds, as you kind of mentioned. Now, if you have kids that are, let's say, tweens, you're seeing these type of things manifest, or even teenagers, and you're seeing these things, and you're hearing this and saying, ah, I wish that I would have had this when my kid was six or seven. Now they're teens. And, you know, I don't know what I, what, what I can do to be able to stem the tide and help them so that by the time they get, you know, are a, a, an adult, you know, they're on their own, you know, they're still stressing themselves out. You know, what, what the heck can, that, can we do? What would you say to those parents that are hearing this and they're saying, ah, you know, what, the, what can I do now that I didn't start this when, they were six or seven, but I want to help them to be better. Right. Well, I think you've possibly just identified book number two, which is, you know, finding a way to ostensibly use the same message for a slightly different older demographic, because everything in this book is, and some very nice reviews have suggested the same, which is this, the language I've chosen in this book is equally applicable to adults who are 50 as it is to kids, kids age six. Uh, the difference, obviously, will be the experience reading the book, and tweens may not necessarily connect with the kind of younger element of, you know, cartoon characters and all that sort of stuff. Um, but you know, parents who are parents of, of tweens struggling with perfectionism, the message in the book is exactly the same. You would just illustrate it in in a different way, and I would probably encourage the parents of those tweens to, you know, consider buying the book, reading it yourself to figure out how you can instigate a conversation with your tween based around it. It's not like, here's the book, read it. Although you might actually decide that there's value in that too. But I think you touched on this earlier, 
I think a lot of perfectionists or parents who are perfectionists don't really understand enough about the subject to be able to work with their kids. So it's as much about educating themselves as it is educating their child. I really appreciate you sharing that. And and I do appreciate you being here and sharing all this. This has been amazing to be able to learn more about this. Now, if people want to find out more about the book, they want to pick up a book for themselves, uh, where's the best way that they can find out more information about the book or about you? Yeah, sure. So the, the Captain Perfection website is all the W's and then captain-perfection.com. There's some really cool kind of free downloads in there for anyone that's homeschooling right now. So you can uh, jump into some early kind of self-compassion work. There's a link to the book there. The, uh, the book right now is available on Amazon. There's going to be other um, other outlets coming soon, but um, yeah, Amazon's where to find it. Um, and then my work with perfectionism is, is not based on, on uh, solely on, on kids. I work a lot with uh, professional performers in how to deal with performance uh, perfectionism and also businesses uh, figuring out how to you know, establish a, a kinder culture and a more productive culture uh, that ostensibly gets perfectionists to be more productive so therefore your business more profitable. And all of that information plus the TED Talk can be found at all the W's julianreeve.com. And I will put a link in the notes today for everyone to be able to find. Uh, Julian, I appreciate you really bringing this book to the forefront because I think a lot of people have dealt with this in their lives. They are dealing with it in their lives and it's just not talked about. And I think that this book definitely opens the door to having productive conversations between parents and child, but also internally within yourself to be able to see where you are in this whole journey. So I appreciate you being here and I wish you all the best. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons, we make the meals, we buy them presents. Bring your A-game, cause those kids are growing fast. The time goes by just like a dynamite blast. Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men. Get out and be the world to best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be